Welcome to another episode of Depression, Bipolar, and Anxiety, Living as a Latter-day Saint. I'm your host, Damon Soka. First of all, if you've enjoyed these podcasts, I ask that you post it to your social media feeds or simply tell a friend. The only way these messages get to others is through you. Now today I thought I would share some thoughts that I've been pondering and things that I have been learning, but they don't really add up to a full episode. Sometimes there are important ideas that float around the periphery, but just still need some attention. My first thought today comes from a book called The Lectures on Faith. One of the concepts espoused in Lectures on Faith is that faith itself is a motivational force. Not that it simply motivates one to action, but that the source of the motivation is incredibly important. The Lord does not judge any action on our part without including the why. Why we acted is as important or perhaps more important than the action itself at times. Our motivation to act is really determined by our character and our spiritual nature. Now take, for instance, something like the Word of Wisdom. I can make changes to my diet and exercise routine for a variety of reasons. Now, I can do so because I'm tired all the time and I want more energy. I can make changes because of pain. I can make changes because I want my body to look more pleasing to others. I can also have a multitude of reasons for my changes. However, and this is important, any change that is not motivated by the desire to become as the Savior is does not qualify as true repentance. Repentance requires that we recognize the Savior's sovereign authority, we recognize His guidance through the commandments, and that we recognize where we are falling short. If I change my diet to lose weight, I have my reward. I lost weight. Now, I can change my diet to lose weight and so that I can be a more attentive father to my children with more energy, or a better husband to my wife, then my motivations are more closely aligned with repentance because my motivations match closer to those of the Savior. Now, repentance requires faith in the Lord or that we are motivated by the same internal drive as the Savior himself. Most often, repentance is the process of seeking out through inspiration those attributes and activities that we need to change and then allowing the Lord to provide the means and the methods as we work through the repentance and healing processes. We should not be seeking to make changes in our lives without the guiding influence of the Holy Ghost and divine inspiration. Now, Alma 37, 36 and 37 actually states this very clearly. Yea, and cry unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be unto the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the affections of thine heart be placed on the Lord forever. And a small portion of verse 37 reads, Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. So why does it matter so much in life that we include the Savior in our plans, and not just our big plans, all of our plans? And why is this faith motivation so important? The answer is because we need miracles. We need the Lord to intervene in our lives. And it is our faith that brings him intimately into our daily struggle. And I'm not talking about just the miracle of a physical healing. 
we need daily miracles in our lives if we are able to if we are to succeed in working out our salvation and working through our mental illness now i consider a miracle any time the lord intervenes in my life whether that be a small flash of inspiration or a miraculous healing of the sick miracles occur when the lord allows the exercise of the powers of the atonement to occur in our lives if you desire miracles in deep faith then you will need two things to occur the first is that you must have positive experiences with living the gospel you need confirming witnesses of the truth you need spiritual evidence and that is the first thing you need the second thing you need is the deep desire to become like the Savior and our Father in heaven you need a deep spiritual motivation as we seek out interaction with the Lord and have positive experiences confirming our beliefs and knowledge of the truth we will actually grow in desire and motivation when we talk about faith growing we mean that we have sought out personal revelation and experiences from the divine source and we have received answers and along with those answers a witness that it was God who answered us those answers may come in many forms they can come from the mouth of friends family and leaders they can come by strong personal witness by the actions of others by increased desire and motivation through a healing no matter how the Lord decides to grant the miracle we are able to see it as the Lord interacting in our lives one of the reasons that the Lord cannot all the time provide for miracles in certain instances is simply that we would not see him as the source and worse yet we would attribute it to our own strength when we can't see miracles with our spiritual eyes we are far more apt to see the events in our lives happening to us as something fortuitous or something we have accomplished in essence when we don't see the Lord's miracles as coming from him then we ascribe the miracle to one of our other gods whether that is ourself another person or persons mother nature coincidence karma and that list continues on by labeling miracles as coincidence or simply fortuitous we are in essence saying that God is perhaps not as omniscient as we believe him to be if God is truly all-knowing omniscient then there is no such thing as coincidences if God provides a small miracle in our life and we ascribe it to our own personal effort only then we are negating the positive effects of the atonement and of grace we are negating the idea that if we trust in God and work to do good he will provide the miracle he will do his part for us to continue to progress and to receive miracle upon miracle or grace upon grace then our focus must be upon working with and through the Savior rather than just allowing him to be an accessory in our lives he can then not only provide those miracles but help us to see them for what they truly are this is how we grow in spiritual maturity now having said all of that I fully understand that the most difficult issue surrounding mental illness and the gospel is the ability of the illness to interrupt spiritual communications 
and to alter our motivations. We will struggle with faith and maintaining faith as we work through symptoms of the illness. But the Lord also fully understands this. All he asks is that we show up with the faith we have for that day and then do our part with what we've been given. He cannot ask you to have faith that you do not have the capacity to possess. But he can ask you to use what faith you have. This means that if you exercise the faith you have, then that is sufficient for the Lord. He can then use what you have to create a deeper faith, trust, and confidence in the powers of the atonement, and he can provide the miracle. Now switching subjects, as I said I would do, I want to talk frankly a little bit about seeking treatment through counseling and therapy. Now I have spoken to a few individuals recently about the state of mental health treatment, especially as it concerns members of the church. First of all, while science is really good about research and theory, there is still a great deal we do not know about the brain and the psychology of human feelings, emotion, and motivation. Sometimes we approach science and medicine with the idea that they fully understand the body and the brain and are just sort of refining the picture. The truth is that when it comes to the brain, conscious, emotion, and feeling, there is a great deal we do not know and a great deal more we actually do know. And when it comes to the spiritual and science, right now, let's say there's a substantial gap of knowledge between the spiritual world and our scientific world. Now, having said that, psychology and therapy have come a long way, even over the last decade, and they have some very good techniques to aid in the management of mental illness. I have and will continue to recommend therapy to everyone. However, as I recommended, I will also note three things. First, therapy does not work for everyone, at least to the same advantages. Two, you will not connect with every therapist. And three, if you are a member of the Lord's Church, not all current psychological theory aligns with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that might be obvious, but it's important to understand. There are many ideas and theories that really fall outside of gospel truth. You will need to be discerning in your approach to therapy and the therapist. As much as I will always encourage therapy, it is not going to work the same for every individual. Therapy is only one aspect of treatment and for some individuals, significant therapy will not provide significant value. However, you will not know how well it works unless you make a serious effort. When you approach therapy, you should do so with the idea that you are in some ways interviewing the professional. You will not get along with, like, enjoy, or even find value in every therapist. One professional might work miracles with you where another wouldn't even scratch the surface. So finding professional help may take some time and effort. You also have to have the right to be an equal partner in the therapy session. You have the right to question, to discover, to understand, and even to disagree with the therapist. You need to be in control of the management, and a good therapist actually understands this. Even if the therapist is a member of the church and works for church services, this doesn't mean that you have to be under their particular care. 
Find the avenues of management that actually work for you. Now that I have given the warning, my experience is that most professionals are deeply empathetic individuals with a great desire to help the suffering. While you might take some time finding the right professional that matches your personality, you are likely to find most professionals are very willing to work within your personal goals and beliefs. My thoughts on therapy are really quite simple. You should give therapy an honest opportunity to work in your life. Finally today, I just want to talk for a minute about healing, and it might not even take that long. I've spoken many times about what it means to be healed and the ideas surrounding the stages of healing and allowing time for healing to occur. Healing is a deeply personal experience that I would say, for the most part, cannot be explained adequately by words. My mind this week, though, has been constantly reminded of just how difficult abuse and traumatic experiences can be. Not only does the victim suffer the pains and difficulty of the initial abuse or ongoing abuse, but then they are made to suffer again through symptoms of mental illness. There can be times when one cannot see a path forward through those mists of darkness. There are feelings so deep and so strong that if I told you the Lord could erase them, you would not believe me, even if I could show you it. Many of us pass through very difficult circumstances in our lives. Evil can leave a deep and lasting scar. There is only one truth that is important, and that is no evil, no damage, no destruction, no pain or suffering that, that exists that cannot be healed through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You cannot sink lower in your pain and suffering than the Savior can lift. It does not take much on your part. I simple, a simple, I need help can actually move mountains. The Lord can meet you where you are and then help you to climb where you need to be. While you cannot see a path forward, the miracle of the atonement is that one always exists. And not only does the path exist, but you don't have to walk it alone. And if needed, you can be carried. The one requirement, though, is that you ask and then wait for the Lord to answer in his way. What I can promise is that he will answer. He will just need to recognize that answer when it comes. The Lord can lift mountains of emotion, struggle, trial, and turmoil off our shoulders. He does so by yoking himself alongside us, and when we need more from him, then the, the yoke lifts from our shoulders onto his. And when we can give more, he gives us back a little bit of that weight. The truth is the same, I have been saying from my very first episode. If we do our part, the Lord will always do His. Until next week.